The International IVF Initiative is a worldwide non-profit education project for the assisted reproductive technologies community, sharing scientific and practical knowledge for embryologists, reproductive scientists and anyone working in the ART community. Each episode will share an insight into the world of IVF, along with profiles of legends within the world of ART, latest news and wisdom from our community. Here's your host, Giles Palmer. Okay, so we had a very interesting double webinar, and it was called Legacy, and it was about the recruitment, training, and talent management of embryologists. Now, embryologists are facing a crisis at the moment. What is happening is that the embryologists are aging out. There's a lot of senior veteran embryologists who are now leaving the market or taking more managerial roles, and that is leaving a big space for the ever-increasing need for embryologists. Everyone is hiring. There's so much work in the clinics around the world, not just in the UK, not just in the States, but everyone after COVID has been incredibly busy, not particularly because there's been a backlog of patients, but um, because I think it's reset the mindset and people have thought about having families, plus the increased amount of freezing, of course, and embryobiopsies which are going on. There's been an increased awareness that we really need more embryologists. And we have to plan for succession planning. We have to think about what happens when these older embryologists leave and how can we recruit new embryologists. We spoke to embryologists how they discovered their career and most of them, the vast majority of them, just fell upon it by luck. And there doesn't seem to be any active recruitment going on at universities. Even though you may do biology or genetics or even a reproductive biology degree at university, no one really says to you, have you considered the job as an embryologist? So I3 took it on part to have this double webinar where we looked at the whole career system. We looked at how we can recruit more embryologists. We looked at how we can train them efficiently. And we looked at uh, training schools which go on, which really speed up the process of this manual work that we do. No one goes into embryology fully knowing the skills that they need. And it's still a job where you use your hands a lot. And it's to do with eye-hand coordination. So even if you finish university and you have a degree which allows you to do embryology, you still have to learn the training of um, spotting an egg and picking up an egg and transferring it from dish to dish and all the other techniques like ICSI and biopsy. So with this in mind, we had this double webinar, which was incredibly successful, looking at embryologists from all over the world, looking at embryology schools all over the world. And we really had an interesting time talking about how we can mine the gap, if you like, between people leaving and people entering the market. So in this podcast, you'll hear behind the scenes of the two webinars where we got together veteran embryologists giving their words of wisdom to how people could start a job in embryology, but also solutions to how we can bridge the gap between training and people leaving. We were just talking about how you fill those spaces and, you know, mind the gap. Of course, you mentioned that, you know, people can leave unexpectedly and you're on the back foot. But in everyday circumstances, people are ill, perhaps, or, um, you know, there's like a health reason why people are going to be there. So, you know, any lab manager has got to deal with that, haven't they? But Perhaps when someone leaves, that's a more permanent case, isn't it? And then you have to obviously go through the actual process of, of, of finding and hiring someone else, yeah? Yeah, and it depends on how they leave. So if they are leaving that quickly, what is going wrong, right? So if you create a team that's comfortable and cohesive, but someone leaves suddenly, uh, why? So that's what you got to figure out. Um, because again, any any 
good team member is going to give you enough notice. Um, and then I, I thought about this after I asked, answered your question before, Andrew, even though I probably didn't answer it correctly. I had in my, my so-called contract, I had to give a year's notice to get, uh, you know, certain um, stipulations to benefit me. And then we went to a corporate structure right now, and I only have to give 30 days. Now. So I guess it just depends on, you know, how things are, but it takes a I long time. You know. sometimes get calls from students that are uh, unhappy where they're at and and uh, even other you know team members from from labs and one of the real challenging pieces is is you know no matter where you go there you are so maybe you're going to go to leave this lab because of this problem and that's you don't see it at that lab over there but you go over there and they have other problems so uh, i always say the reason why the grass looks greener on the other side of the front fence is because it's uh covered in crap you know i mean you just can't see the problems that they that they have at those labs and that's an awesome point tony and i think the pandemic really no one's grass was green right and that's what i said to my you know yeah. to my staff is the grass isn't greener over there but i promise you i'm going to make our grass green again just hang with me you know yeah. and it was it was a struggle i mean my entire team had an had an exit strategy. I never had that before. Um, so it did it put a lot of stress and burden on, you know, everybody. That's interesting to hear, Bill, because you're a great lab director. I haven't, I've never heard anybody say anything bad about you, but I, I had the same struggle. It's like people came back from COVID. It was a whole new team. I'm like, where did my people go? Yeah. yeah. It was so yeah. bad. Actually, I ended up leaving and to do the training full time. So yep. I mean, kind of had that planned, but probably should have left a year earlier. Has it been, has it been a massive interest for your training courses? Now, of course, Eva has started one. So there's you know, obviously an economical sort of void there that could be filled by her, you know, training centers. I mean, you know, how busy are you guys? I mean, and I hear, you know, you're full, you're booked up, you're doing that. So, you know, is the phone constantly ringing and, and, and is it mainly from, you know, people in the States? Uh, we're booked out until June 2023, essentially with full-time courses. We run two three-month courses, and then the rest is filled in with week courses in ICSI, biopsy, VIT, whatever, even taking a newbie and just doing retrievals and that type of stuff. But we're booked out through June of 2023. So they are there pretty much nonstop. In fact, Ava, I think we passed someone along to you because we're full until June 2023. Uh, yep. And we don't want to hold these people back. And Yeah, no, I'm actually uh, have a call with her after after we're done. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think I don't consider, you know, Ava, Tony, uh, Kathy Miller, they're not competition. So we'll always be sending you people if we're too full or, you know, I hope you do it in kind if, if, if needed. But I think it's great to collaborate on this stuff that we're doing. I think it's needed. I think we need more. Um, you know, people want us to expand and uh, those types of things, but uh, we're on the other side of the hill these days. So, I mean, we don't want to do too much. Um, we're kind of like uh, close to retirement years. So um, I'm looking to get out of the, the clinical setting and helping more with training in the, in the future. So, um, yeah. but it's needed. I mean, more needed, and it's again, it's not. I don't consider it competition. It's. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Julie, how busy are you? 
Uh, Gloria, how Gloria, how busy are you? I mean, because you you know you weren't the first to have these training courses, and yeah, we are busy until the mid September. Mm -hmm. This is a question for everyone as well. But could you find like, let's say, you know, the IVF centres who've got you know a, like an embryologist and they want like accelerated training? Do they send them to you, or could they send them to you? Because it could be a it could be a way that they can fill that gap, isn't it? Yes. So they sort of say, oh, you know, I want this person maybe they need extra help or just acceleration to do this. They don't want to do it in the clinical settings. It surely should be the easiest thing in the world to send it to you, Tony, to you, Bill, to you, Eva, and, you know, sort of hot, hot house, wouldn't it? That's exactly right. You know, uh, sorry to get in here. I mean, Bill, I just want to add how great a job all of you guys do. I mean, Gloria, hi, Gloria. Hi. Tony. <laughs> Um, you know, um, Nuno, I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, it's just an amazing job you're doing. And you have kind of reinvented training, uh, these uh, two, three months or one month courses. I, I remember it was only two or three days. And, and not that that was useless. I mean, it was pretty good, but it was nothing compared to what you're doing now. You actually are delivering uh, uh, two programs. You are delivering... Um, uh, somebody who normally would have stayed stuck around for a year, two years in apprenticeships that are um, very slow, particularly in busy programs. And all, all programs are busy. And so you yeah. get, you're, you're training somebody from scratch uh, and nobody has ever time for you when you're a junior trainee. No. <laughs> nobody has time for you. And it's natural. It is, I'm not pointing fingers to anybody, but it's just the natural cause of things. And it takes really three, four years to get out of juniorship. And I think you guys skip that by at least a year, at least a year what you're delivering. So I think what you're doing is just unbelievable. It's great. And these people that come off your courses are hot commodities, and at least, uh, I don't know how that is in Spain or, or in, in the UK, but the hot commodities, I mean, they, they are very hard to get. You have to kind of go in a bidding war and it's kind of silent because some of these candidates don't say that they have had several offers. And, uh, and, and uh, you usually outbid is what I've noticed in the last six months. You usually outbid, but uh, uh, sign-on bonuses and, uh, and salaries that are like 30, 40, 50% higher than what they were 12, 24 months ago. So, I mean, it's a complete different scene now. But these, these people are, I'm comparing them now to 12 months, people with 12 months experience after two months, but it could be more, I'll, I'll know more in, in the next few months or year, I'll know more about it, but I think they are comparable to a couple of years of experience. So fantastic job. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks to you, Jacques. Huh? Thanks for the kind words. Thanks to you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, can I go now? Can I go, Bill? Can I go just please? Yeah, it's very late in here. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm hired for the compliments, really. I, will, you know, I come up to this and just provide compliments. Right? You, you know, Jacques, you were one of the early pioneers in this. Like, I remember going out to Maui and teaching at your course. Like, sure. you know, that was a five-day course, and you learned ICSI, assisted hatching, and Clothing. So really very much built around <laughs> kind of the same premises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, people put that on their CV and stuff and uh, have pictures on the wall and all that. But I think it's not comparable to anything you do now. It's, it's just no comparison. Yeah. You, you don't let go of them until they're, they're comfortable yeah. with doing things like XE. I mean, just it's astonishing. Whereas if you are on a course like a Maui, Okay, or in yeah. Vail, Colorado, that was great, 
but yeah, right. uh, you get you get you get maybe as a candidate those those courses were attended by 20 30 people at the same time as a candidate you get a few hours of hands-on exposure maybe maybe if you're pushy four or five hours after a week uh, that's you can't compare that what you guys do just day in day out fully added i'm always recruiting students um you know we we have some students booked throughout the year but we don't um and it's, it's been the real challenge then getting the trust from the lab directors to send mm. them to you. Like, I don't know if anybody else is experiencing that, but but I still like they still like they want to train them in house to learn their protocols. It's it it's yeah. I'm not fully booked out. It's a real challenge. I'm not getting rich at this, but it's it's a yeah. passion and it's a love. And I'm no, 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 keep no, it. I've been offering to teach custom to their protocols to kind of help alleviate that. Because I found that to be a big hindrance as well. Well, you know, I don't want them to learn your way. You know, I want them to learn, um, you know, learn learn our way. My my August course that's going to be about ten weeks long is exclusively for one of the networks. So all of the we're taking a, a, a risk. We've got, you know, eight new graduates, and we're going to take them for ten weeks, and we're going to teach them, and you know, they're going to scatter around the country and. And you know, go to all the the sites for for that um, for that network to work. But you know, it's it's a trusting of getting people to to believe that they're going to come back to them. You know, trained and and some of it is is they want them trained their way. Not they don't want to hear you know, well, Eva says this or Bill says this or or yeah. Tony said you should do it this way. So I think we have to be cognizant of that as well. Um, you know, and maybe you know, if if a clinic sends us, you know make sure we, we reach out and, and say, well, you know, what's, what are your protocols? You know, so we can show them different ways as well, but at least make sure that they're set up to learn their way. Sure. And yeah, I think, I think Tony, I think Tony, I think it's Tony, because we all of you, um, don't you send in like an IVF commando? So someone from your clinic or so your train goes to their clinic. Someone goes, you know, you have trainees that go yeah. out offsite. I started that. I, I, I've been trying not to be the consultant like people call me like, hey, do you have anybody that can consult? So um, I'm trying not to offer consulting, but I will go in as like a consultant to train. I, I don't want to train somebody that they have uh, locally, if they, especially if they can't travel. So we'll, we'll charge a little bit of a premium from what they would pay if they came to me because, you know, where they're traveling. So I've just started that. Um, haven't had a lot of big uh, demand for that, but, you know, just something I've, that it trying to just kind of each fill each niche as we do. And likewise, also teaching to the protocols. I sign huh. NDAs to not share protocols and those kinds of things as well. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I think I think it's late for everyone. It's late for you, Gloria, I, I know. And, and, and um, I thought and I thought you were going to join us. So thanks a lot. But you see, with these training systems, the only thing we have to do now is, you know, is get to the universities early. And you know, and make them aware, and that's why we've got these like origin stories to say that you know everyone's just sort of like stumbled on it. So we'll see more of that uh, in the next webinar. Really, you know, we just want to thank you for your time, for your passion, obviously as well, and thanks for making this like a really good session. Thank you, Giles. Thank you, Giles. Thank you, everybody. Great to see everyone. Hi there. Excellent. I think it went well. Yeah, it was fantastic. Fantastic. Debbie, hi. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Hi, you're welcome. Did you all enjoy yourselves? Absolutely. Yes. It was a great session. We did try this new 
time zone so we could get more people involved and and from different areas but again some fantastic questions and starting with you debbie i mean i knew that you threw the curveball but i didn't realize that you actually sabotage things and and and, and mess oh, it up. but that's fantastic that's really good you know i make them cry but in a nice way in a nice way i'm practicing the avatars for next week i know i was just saying did you turn into a pumpkin eva <laughs> You know, Charles, you, you may not be aware of this, but Debbie also runs the IVF Olympics. And I did hear about that. Something. Can you just elaborate a little bit? Yes. So um, I do like workshops with Hamilton Thorne and Cooper. And in the evenings, we have parties in the IVF lab. And I do challenges for senior embryologists where they have to do the same challenges I give to the trainees, but they have to do it with their opposite hand. So if they normally pipette with their right hand, they have to do it with their left. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I make yeah. them get in teams of three and they have to perform an embryo biopsy. One person on one manipulator, one person on another manipulator, and the third person runs the laser. Yeah, yeah. You have teams wow. of yeah. three performing ICSI. And they have to communicate is what it is. And they're all telling each other. And one person's like, no, no, go back forward. You know, it's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have a good time. And then we have a scoreboard. There's, of course, prizes. So we keep track. I'm timing people. It's a competition because, you know, all of Great. us sort of have an underlying competitive nature. So, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, yes, we do. We, we definitely have that competitive nature. So one of my senior embryologists was down helping Debbie teach a predictor fast. And when the IVF Olympics came along, she got competitive and she got stuck in and she was like, no, you know, <laughs> she was leaving bodies in her wake as she moved that person. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see, it just shows, you know, became best friends. Yeah, but it just shows, you know, what a, you know, what a fantastic job this is, you know, you know, they, they, they can do this and, you know, and you're all nice people and, and, and I'm not just saying that, but you guys have got the training centers. I mean, you know, you must be so, you know, so good to, you know, to like learn with you. It really, you know, it really is great. And they were talking about, um, you know, what makes a great embryologist, but I mean, you know, I think it's the passion for the job and, and um, yes, okay, there's going to be long hours and patience, but I think you can sort of see that very early on when someone comes, can't you? I think, you know, to see that they are, you know, really excited to be there. And you say about excited in the morning to see how many you fertilize or whatever. So I think, you know, that's what sort of weeds people out, I think. And we're still quite a small number of people. I think we're still very social, don't you? Yeah. And I think to some degree, you can teach that passion. Of course, the passion is in you. But I think when they see you have passion, it rubs off on them. Yeah, and they start, you know, they start so, reflecting on the energy that you like uh, portray in the laboratory. So. Yes. Yeah. So when I walk in and I'm like, oh, my God, did so-and-so get fertilization? And they, they instinctively get excited, too, because I'm excited. You know, and that's that makes yeah. it fun. I want to care. Oh. I want my people to care. And that's yeah, probably or, or, or also when you make questions, you know, like and you start like really challenging their knowledge and the, and then it starts from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, a little bit about what you were saying about, you know, like being a mentor is that you know, if you can see this from your mentor that they're you know that they're excited after <clears throat> so many years, sort of thing, then then that's a run off. But you know, I really think the greatest thing is to be a teacher. Okay, you know, and to give that enthusiasm and, you know, and to show that. And then, of course, maybe they'll go on. Well, they will have to, I think, go on to, you know, to train as well. 
Um, yeah, that was a great point, Joe. I'm getting a mentor, being a mentor. And I think there was a question out there, um, like some of the people that are retiring, like they could mentor people. They, they, mm -hmm. they you know, in their retirement, they could still mentor people. Um, mm -hmm. With that, and then I'm going to shut up and I want you to talk. But one of the things I did want to talk about was a little bit about is linked is is linked in a curse or not because i'm sure you'll get sort of job applications and whatever now the word mentor to me is someone that you sort of find you respect and you want to follow that and they you know and they help you in return if you will but i get a lot of emails that probably you do as well which say you know will you know will you be my mentor and or you get emails and they're, you know, and they're not personal or whatever. I think that's a totally different thing. Is that what you find as well? You know, are you sort of yes. inundated with people? And is there any advice? Because I just want to go there and say, you know, make make these things more personalised. You know, um, you know, write a cover letter. Um, explain a little bit about yourself before that happens. I do. I do respond and talk to people that ask. Of course, if it's like a robot wrote it, I ignore it. But if it is someone saying, hey, you know, and they have a story and they need advice, I give it. I talk to them and I share my opinion and my feelings with them and repeatedly sometimes with the same person back and forth. Yeah. And but you also get some people where they you meet them one time and then they want you to write a recommendation letter to medical school. Yeah. I'm like. Oh, I don't really know you that well. <laughs> you have to say no, you know, quite a bit too. I think it works both ways. Like, you know, the mentor wants to be, you know, their mentor as well. You know, they can see something, I think, as well. I don't know about, about you, but, you know, and that's that connection you have. And that last years, you know. I encourage all my students to put a good LinkedIn profile because one of my earlier students you know, she's one of those passionate rising stars. She's going to do great things. And um, she probably gets two calls a week for a job. And um, which I take as a compliment and, um, and which it all comes through LinkedIn. It's her LinkedIn profile helps her do that. So, because, you know, we're us as trainers, we're in the, we're in the, uh, uh, job of getting them, you know, helping them in their career. So, you know, typically Facebook is with my friends and uh, LinkedIn mm -hmm. is with my uh, career. So a lot of, there's a lot of overflow, but um, that's where you can, you know, build your career and build those connections. And our network is, is always our greatest asset as you, as you build your career. So mentors, but also just getting involved and staying connected. I tell my students this all the time, like get involved earlier. I, I didn't start getting involved with SRBT and all the, and the ABB until I was older. I didn't feel like I was qualified. Um, I wish I wished I'd have been more involved earlier in my career. Yeah, and Tony, it's, it's not so much just being involved, but being willing to put yourself out there. You know, when you go to a meeting to talk to other people, meet new people, and to sort of sit down at a lunch table where you don't know anybody, yeah. I mean, all of those things are, are, you know, fundamentally great in terms of sort of building a network and making new friends and finding people that are in the sort of same boat as you are that you can, you know, text with or email with and say, hey, I'm having this trouble in my job or I'm having this trouble negotiating a new contract or whatever. And you can bounce ideas off these people, right? I was down in Dallas in December to give a talk. And there were two embryologists that drove all the way from Oklahoma down to Dallas wow. to come to the talk, right? 
It's a four-hour drive. They drove four hours to come down to Dallas to hear my talk, right? And when they got to the talk, they arrived a little bit late, and everybody was already seated. And they came into the room, and there was an odd seat here and there that they could have sat in, but they went to great trouble to find seats together at one table. And I was like, why do you guys want to sit together? You've been together in your car driving down here for four hours. You've got nothing to say to each other, right? And there's all these other embryologists in the room that you could sit with and you could get to know and you yeah. could talk to about, you know, what's going on in Oklahoma, what's going on in Dallas, what you're interested in, right? You had a great opportunity to kind of network and meet new people. You drove four hours to get here and you blew it. <laughs> you blew it. Yeah. <laughs> you told them that? And they had a four-hour drive home, you know, afterwards to, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you guys have seen this or not, but I, I mean, the kind of embryologists that I see here, most of us are quite introverted. And, and I mean, as personalities, yeah. I mean, probably that's one of the challenges that uh, we face because we, we are like really shy. We don't interact much, much with uh, each other. And I think that's probably what uh, Joe's putting out right here. I mean, is, is it common though to have a more uh, introverted embryologist than extroverted embryologist? Yes. So, so it's exactly what you're saying, right? That, that's very, very normal, right? So again, you know, I remember, you know, I would go to a meeting and there might be, you know, a couple of embryologists from, from our lab at the meeting. And, and, you know, I would go into the lunchroom and, and my colleagues would say, we saved you a seat. And I'd be like, I don't want to sit with you guys. I see you every day. We've got something to do, but... See you every day. I, yeah, and I, I, you know, I would, I would force myself to just go and sit with some people that I don't know, and I would talk to them, and and maybe they didn't want to talk to me, or maybe you know I had nothing interesting to say. But you know, just sort of that little thing of sort of forcing yourself just to sit at a table with people who you know are embryologists, and you know you can have a conversation, you can just talk about anything. What do you do? Yeah. See, what are your blessings, Bridge? Right? It's easy to start a conversation, and suddenly you've got new friends. Definitely. Conference, and we have a big dinner. You got to rotate everybody's seats when everyone sits down. Half of you switch tables. Yeah. Yeah. Net networking, networking is so important because at some point in your career, you're going to come across a problem that you can't solve. And you're going to have to call somebody or talk to somebody outside of your immediate, you know, colleagues. And the more people that you know, the faster you're going to solve that problem. So I think we do some speed dating then, shouldn't we? And then in the next one, that's, that's because I was going to say that <laughs> speed networking. Ishri is doing that right now. I mean, in, in Milan. Yeah. You guys have, you know, I saw yeah. it. I saw it. I, I suppose that's the same theme, isn't it, guys? Thank you so much, everybody. Okay. Bye. And I. You know, I you know I do give sort of like you know you know like titles of where I think they were, but you, but you all of you just uh, exceeded yourself, okay, and you took it like the extra, you know, like ten miles, you know, like everyone. I gave it, you know, I gave you something. I thought this might be interested, and you talked about things that I would have never thought about. You know, really interesting and sort of take to a different plane. So, thank you all very much, and I hope to see you next week at the networking session. All right. Great, great, great job, job, everyone. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Don't forget to look at the show notes to find the links for where the webinars are. We'd love it if you would rate and review what you think of the podcast, please, wherever you find your podcasts. We really would like your feedback. So, don't forget, don't be shy, write those reviews. 
Be sure to visit ivfmeeting.com where you can watch our back catalogue of webinars. Plus, you can sign up for future ones, download our electronic membership card and find all our social media so we can stay in touch.